some of the newer research supports rising at the same time every day. So instead of going to bed at the same time every day, rising at the same time, no matter what time you did go to bed, so that your eyes can see the horizon, you can have sun on your face the first 30 minutes of the day, help reset that circadian rhythm. What's up, lovely ladies? Dr. Emily Kybert here with Thyroid Strong Podcast. I am a chiropractor, a mama to Elvis in Brooklyn, and I have Hashimoto's, but it's currently in remission. On this podcast, I share simple, actionable steps with a little bit of tough love on how to lose that stubborn weight, get your energy and your life back, and finally learn how to work out without burning out, living with Hashimoto's. What's up, lovely ladies? Dr. Emily Kybert here with Thyroid Strong. I get this question at least once a day, so I thought I'd address this here on Thyroid Strong Podcast. And it comes in different forms, this question. It comes as, how do you know when you're in remission for Hashimoto's? How do I get there? What is remission? What does remission look like? So let's go. About 20% of women can go into remission with Hashimoto's. If, and I am one of that 20%, If your Hashimoto's is caught early enough before there is too much destruction of your thyroid gland, before there is too much atrophy of your thyroid gland, that means your diagnosis needs to be caught early. And if you're like, M, what is remission? What does it mean? What does it look like? What does it feel like? There are three components to going into remission with Hashimoto's. Number one, your thyroid hormones are within optimal range on a blood draw on a serum thyroid panel. And what the heck is optimal? We talk about this in Thyroid Strong a lot. I do not read blood work. I have friends that read blood work that are amazing. Know that there are conventional ranges that are much, much broader than an optimal range, a range where you're going to feel like your best self. Those optimal ranges are much tighter and much more narrow. So that's number one. Thyroid hormones are with optimal range on a blood draw. And know that it's not just TSH, that there are six different lab values. There is no presence, this is number two, there's no presence or there's a minimal presence of thyroid antibodies. There's actually two tests to test for thyroid antibodies. One checks if there are antibodies attacking your actual thyroid gland, which is on the front of your neck, a little butterfly-shaped gland. And then the second one checks if there are thyroid antibodies attacking the thyroid hormones. So that's number two. No presence or minimal presence of thyroid antibodies. And then number three for remission is that you don't have a presence of all those Hashi symptoms, right? Your energy levels are good. You don't have that crushing fatigue, fatigue worse than like a first trimester pregnancy fatigue. Your hair loss is minimal. So you're not pulling clumps of hair. You're not fighting clumps of hair in the bathroom drain. The outer third of your eyebrow is not totally vanished, which I've definitely had in the depths of my Hashimoto's diagnosis, and you are not experiencing unexplained weight gain. Yes, weight can fluctuate. There are many, many factors. Holding on to water, overeating, being in a caloric surplus, trying to bulk, right? But it's not like, oh, I just gained 40 pounds in the past three months and nothing changed. So you could have your weight being managed by your lifestyle choices. Brain fog is minimal. I know in the depths of my Hashimoto's diagnosis, I could barely finish my sentence. No dry skin. So, you know, the big ones are the weight, the fatigue, and I would say brain fog, that you're not having those presence of symptoms. So the three aspects of remission, optimal thyroid hormones on a blood draw, no presence or minimal presence of thyroid antibodies, 
and feeling good, not having a presence of those symptoms that typically go hand in hand with Hashimoto's. So I was one of those 20% of women who went into remission. One of those aspects were catching the diagnosis early and taking the steps, taking the steps to make the changes. There's different personality types. I'm the personality type where you give me a game plan, I will execute. Just give me the plan. I don't hem and haw. I don't ruminate a lot. Give me the plan and execute. So for example, some of the first changes when I first got diagnosed by my functional medicine doc, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, L-Y-O-N, was going gluten-free. And I didn't hem and haw. I didn't crave bread. I just literally looked at the food that were the recommendations and said, okay, this is either going to help me or this is going to hurt me. In addition to my Hashimoto symptoms of hit by a bus fatigue, I was getting some histamine intolerance symptoms. So every time I ate, my tongue hurt. Also a sign of probably leaky gut, parasite. Certain parasites will cause that hormonal eczema on my hand. So these are very tangible symptoms. It wasn't like, oh, I'm like a little tired. It was, there's a burning rash on my hand and my tongue is literally burning and numb. So when I would look at food, I would either go, okay, that's going to make me feel better or that's going to make me feel worse. And worse was a headache, burning on my hand, burning tongue. So gluten-free, dairy-free. And then I took it the next step, no alcohol and a low histamine diet. And we'll go into this in another podcast, but low histamine diet is kind of like next step. So things that could be considered a high histamine would be avocados, and I love guacamole, tore my heart out, spinach, which how many times did I make a spinach banana smoothie, spinach banana, both high histamine, and think that I was eating something healthy. For me, for my body at that time, I can eat bananas now, I eat guacamole now, but I'm also six years since getting diagnosed. So I think the big two were gluten-free, dairy-free, no alcohol, and then also low histamine diet. Took out the nightshades. I don't really crave the nightshades, which are eggplant, red pepper, potatoes. I don't really crave those. So those weren't really hard. If you want a great resource of how to start that, my girl, Allison Morris, she has a great blog, foodbymars.com. She has a beautiful book out that has paleo recommendations. And she works with a lot of women who have autoimmune conditions and gut health issues. So that was one of the big steps I took. Even now when I eat gluten, I get a headache within 15 minutes. So I keep that out. Dairy, I can eat occasionally. Sometimes I get bloated with it. I don't really drink. I might have one rosé at the beginning of the season, but I've also managed my stress such that I don't feel like I need alcohol to offset a stress. Some of the newer research supports rising at the same time every day. So instead of going to bed at the same time every day, rising at the same time, no matter what time you did go to bed, so that your eyes can see the horizon you can have sun on your face the first 30 minutes of the day. Help reset that circadian rhythm. So I started to prioritize my sleep. I use an aura ring. I don't need it. I'm a really good sleeper. I have an eye mask. I have an Uller, which keeps my bed nice and cool. I'll drop these links in the show notes. And I'm a good sleeper. My husband, terrible sleeper, but I'm a good sleeper. So while I do use an aura ring just to track, I'm usually above an 85. If I'm below an 85, on my aura ring, 85 out of 100, I turn into mean mommy. So that's number two. So number one was changing how I was eating. Number two was changing my sleep. Number three was I started to work with Gabrielle, my functional medicine doc, to address different root causes. 
We had mold. We had water damage in our apartment. We remediated. We moved out. We had all that moldy material moved out and the water source patched and then worked through probably a six to nine month mold protocol of different supplements, binders, jumping in a sauna three times a week, taking binders after, scrubbing the body with charcoal soap, a very intensive protocol. Killed some very pesky parasites, specifically hookworm and roundworm. They're very challenging to diagnose in the States. A lot of testing around parasites in the States is for research. And a lot of it is a PCR test. It's looking at the strains versus the actual ova, the eggs or the larvae. So I had to take a special test, sent that stool sample off to Africa to pick up that hookworm and roundworm diagnosis. Again, protocol for probably six to eight weeks and then a gut health protocol after that. That parasite test also picked up anemia. If you think about parasites attaching to your gut lining wall, you can see why anemia could come up and go hand in hand with that. I prioritized and shifted. You know, when I was pregnant, I was pounding the carbs and the coffee to get my day going. Again, that idea of burning the candle at both ends, probably causing some adrenal insufficiency. And so I prioritize protein. First meal of the day, whether it's at 7 a.m. or 11 a.m., prioritize protein, 30 grams minimum to stimulate muscle protein synthesis, aka muscle growth. And not only prioritize every single meal, especially the first meal. So let go of that pounding of the carbs in the coffee. And if you're thinking, okay, what is 30 grams of protein in the morning? That's five eggs. It is a card deck size of a steak like a ribeye, a fistful of ground beef, palm size of chicken breast. I'm not big into chicken. I find it a bit dry. But those are ways that I measure 30 grams. I don't pull out the scale. I don't have time. I have two kids. I like to make it efficient and easy and accessible. So I usually go for a card deck size of a ribeye or five eggs. You know, also going to this idea of pounding the coffee, I like to replace my coffee with green coffee. Going back to this idea of mold, a lot of Coffee beans, when they're dried out, can be moldy. And then you're literally grinding it up, roasting it, and drinking mold. So I like to drink green coffee. Sunup is the brand. Sun, S-U-N up, all one word. Very high in antioxidants. It tastes more like a tea. So I'm not going to lie. It is not the perfect replacement for coffee. One container of Sunup is equivalent to two cups of coffee in terms of the amount of caffeine but lots of antioxidants and it gives you that alertness without the jitters, without the anxiousness, without like the stinky coffee sweats. So that's another thing that I shifted. Did it help me go into remission? I don't know, but it helps me start my day. Normally when I drink coffee, I get the crash. My coffee, if you're wondering, ice cortado, I get the crash at two, but with sun up coffee, I don't. I switched up my workouts. And this is where Thyroid Strong comes in, my program for women with Hashimoto's to learn how to work out without burning out. So when I first got diagnosed, I was overtraining. I was trying to do a 45-minute spin class, a soul class, if you're from New York. And I'd walk across the street and go do a 45-minute Barry's boot camp, HIIT training, trying to do that four days a week. And so I changed how I was working out. Less HIIT, less spinning, less cardio, less boot camp, more heavy lifting, trying to put meat on the bones, thyroid strong style, heavier weights, low reps, long rest breaks. So that was a big shift in not burning myself out, not giving myself joint pain, not giving myself this feeling of like I'm going to get a flu if I overdo it and really just doing it better. 
supporting my body, feeding the muscle. And then I prioritize recovery. So instead of doing five, six days a week, three, four days, not 45 minutes, but 20, 20 to 30 minutes. If I am feeling like superwoman, depending on my own programming, I'll do 45 minutes, but that is a very, very rare. 20 to 30 minutes. I also have little kids. I really only have time for 20 to 30 minutes. So those were the steps I took in my journey to put my Hashimoto's into remission. And I think one of the things that's really important is working with a great, great doctor for a collaborative approach to addressing some of the root causes of your Hashimoto's in addition to like managing your medication. So I can't tell you how many times women ask, okay, how do you know when you're in remission? How do you get there? And I'm thinking, well, aren't you working with your doctor to talk about that, right? Maybe there's too much destruction of the thyroid gland that maybe thyroid medication is required for life, which is fine because it's going to make you feel good. But I think it's important to find a great doctor, make it a collaborative approach, and know that a really good doctor not only does a bunch of testing, but that they also know how to create a hierarchy around what to treat first. I've definitely seen not very well-trained functional medicine docs. And while they had that functional medicine title in front of their name, they did like a full blast approach where they were trying to treat everything at once. And when you do that, you will be taking zillions of supplements. You'll feel like you're getting cross reactions between different supplements. And yes, sometimes protocols make you feel not so great. Certain binders for mold, like clay and charcoal, oof, I feel like death, like probably worse than just being exposed to mold. But if I took cholestyramine, which is a prescription binder, I feel okay and I can make it through that protocol. It doesn't put me down in bed. So finding a great practitioner to collaborate with who does not treat everything. They create a hierarchy. This is what we're going to treat first. This is what we're going to treat next. We're not going to treat candida because you have to treat your parasite first and then you can treat candida. So all those little things, all those little pieces matter but get the big three anchors in your day right. 30 grams of protein per meal, resistance training three to four times a week, thyroid strong style, if I had my way, 20 to 30 minutes, you know, and I'll include walking 10,000 steps a day with the resistance training and then getting your sleep uninterrupted six hours. I like to go to sleep by 1030. I got my mask, got my blackout curtains. So those are the big three, the food, how you're moving your body and sleep, and then start to dive into those root causes. So I hope this helps. I get this question every single day, this remission question. And so I thought I'd share it with you. If you liked this episode, share it with a friend, share it with your mom, share it with your sister. You know Hashimoto's and autoimmune conditions is oftentimes familial. Go leave an honest review. If you loved it, share it. If you didn't love it, shoot me a DM on Instagram. I reply to every single email, every single message. All right, ladies, stay strong. You got this. If you enjoyed this episode or even learned just one new piece of information to help you on your Hashimoto's journey, would you do me a huge favor? Rate and review Thyroid Strong Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever platform you used to listen in to this podcast and share what you liked. Maybe you learned something new. And if you didn't like it, well, shoot me a DM on Instagram, Dr. Emily Kybird. I read and respond to every single DM. I truly believe all feedback is good feedback, even 
the ugly comments. If you're interested in joining the Thyroid Strong course, a home workout program using kettlebells and weights, where I teach you how to work out without the burnout, go to dremilykybird.com forward slash TS waitlist. You'll get all the most up-to-date information on when the course launches and goes live, special deals and early access bonuses for myself and my functional medicine doctor friends. Again, dremilykybercom forward slash TS waitlist. I hope to see you on the inside, ladies.